Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, it's another week, not of Find Your Film, but of Cinematics. This is Cinematics episode 161. Anderson Callen will be here middle of the month to preview the rest of October, but this is the beginning of October. We have the first two weeks, so what does that mean? My betters, Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes are here to talk about the first two weeks of October. Hello, Eric Holmes. How are you doing, sir? What's up? How's it going? Yes, well, I, sh- I should ask you, how- how's it going with you? Are you taking my job and interviewing people left and right behind my back? What- what's going on, man? I am. Uh, they got a uh, bite-sized Halloween on Hulu, and there's uh, 25 different shorts in this uh, anthology, I suppose. Um, and there's a bunch of uh, filmmakers, LGBTQ, people of color, women filmmakers. And so far, all the shorts I've seen have been fantastic. Okay, very, very cool. You can actually catch all these interviews down the road over at our Find Your Film podcast feed. But most importantly, Bite Size Halloween, all these, I believe, 25 shorts are available for streaming right now on Hulu. Hulu will be a little bit of a topic this week on Cinematics because I actually saw the new Hulu film. Thank you. Wow. Find Your Film Glass. Apple juice on your Find Your Film glassware, by the way, Aaron? Yep. Foamy apple juice. I, you know, I think we should do a cinematic class one of these days. Once we have, <laughs> once we're rich, we'll have cinematics classes as well. Maybe shot cinematic glasses. Cinematic glass. Cinematic <laughs> glass. Yeah, cinematic glass. But anyways, bite size Halloween on Hulu right now. Bruce, what have you been doing the last week? Just watching. You said you've been watching what twelve hours worth of Jeffrey Dahmer just on a on a whim. What's going on with that? Yeah, I've been I've been in the the workshop out back dissecting episode after episode and trying to dispose of the previous episode it's been really hard to do and you know i've just been doing my best but you know as long as the neighbors don't complain too much i can just tell them that the uh, that last episode spoiled and i just need to you know find a space for it <laughs> i am very nervous because for our find your film podcast bruce was saying this is going to be a very special episode of cinematics it's not even a, it's only 161 eric holmes do you have any idea what bruce was alluding to Regarding that, regarding this is going, going to be a special episode on cinematics. What is it? What's going on? I, I have no idea, but it may be a <laughs> sandwich. I made I made it for you, so you should probably eat it. And I, I, I'm just trying to be nice, Bruce. Uh, I, I, Bruce, I, I, eat I, the sandwich. I'll eat it later. I, I'll, I'll eat it later. I'll eat it later. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, it's. I, I, I just want to watch you enjoy it. Okay, why, I think this. Why, why won't you eat the sandwich? I don't. Well, what's it made out of? What is in that? Meat. <laughs> okay. Look, Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky, they've been watching 12 hours of Jeffrey Dahmer stuff. I think one of them, Eric Holmes, can you mention the first, I guess, what is it, a mini series that you watched that you really like? What was, where can people check that out? It's 10 episodes, right? What is it called? Well, we're going to talk about uh, probably two different Dahmer things. Um, and the the mini series is uh, Dahmer, Monster, something, something. Well, so one's basically a, a 10 part movie series. And the other one we'll be talking about is documentary. Uh, the movie series is really good so far. And I'm not done, so I can't really. I can't really review it because it's still got uh, three three episodes left, and it could totally s the bed. But so far, it's it, it's totally worth watching. 
Okay, so that is the first one. That's 10 episodes. The other one, Bruce Porky, it's called Conversations with a Killer, the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes. We'll be reviewing it on this episode of Cinematics. It is three episodes, one hour long a piece. It's the director is Joe Berling, Berlinger, and it's very interesting. So we'll see if Bruce and Eric like this one as well. Bruce, are you done? Have you watched both uh, both miniseries yourself? Yes. Yes, I have. Wow, that is a lot of stuff to watch. And then you also saw Blonde, which I, which you, I don't know. I was going to say you highly recommend, but I, I'm not going to. Said it was great. <laughs> you said really great, Blonde cinema. Should our cinematics listeners watch Blonde with enthusiasm, Bruce? Or are you warning them? Will you warn them? Uh, warn them. Yes, it's not worth your time, even for a hate watch or for it's a so bad it's good watch. It's 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 not worth your time. Mm, okay, so we're going to get into what's going to be going on the first couple of weeks. But first, I have to ask Bruce and Eric a question. Back in 1987, there's a movie with a guy with pins on his head called Hellraiser. And I don't know who was the lead actress. Terry Farrell, I think. Was she the lead actress? Anyways, I was too scared. I was too scared to watch it. The poster scared the living you know what out of me. But because it was a Hulu press day, I had to see the latest iteration, a reimagining of the original. It's called Hellraiser. Comes out October 7th. My question to you guys is, Eric Holmes, Hellraiser, how many movies were there? There were in the whole franchise. Maybe a couple? Three hundred million. Three hundred million, Bruce. Do you know the correct answer to that for Hellraiser? Did you watch? Well, how many did you watch of these? Just one of them, or a couple? I watched the first two in the theater, and I know I've seen at least a couple others at various times. I want to say there's seven or eight, maybe. Mm. I don't know, but do the quality degrade over time? As far as the <laughs> pretty quality? quickly, yeah, pretty it's quickly. It's like you know when you walk in the shallow water, and then eventually it's like deep, very fast. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like. A- I, I do want to point out that there's only two Gremlins movies and there's like a thousand Halloweens and 1400 Nightmare on Elm Streets and 80 million Hellraisers, but only two Gremlins. Something's wrong in the world. I'm just, just throwing something that out. Has, something has to be wrong. Well, what, what's Joe Dante going up, up, uh, up to right now, Eric? Is he directing? Not enough. Movie? Not enough. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know why people don't throw money at him. Say, just keep making masterpieces. There you go. He's doing that podcast, right? Movies that made us or something. That's very interesting. Movies that made me. Yeah. With, Movies uh, that Josh made me. Olson. With Josh Olson. That's a very good podcast. But I think a couple of years ago, he was talking about a Gremlins animated series, which was going to happen. Yeah, that should problem. be coming out early next year. Oh, 2023. What? It was supposed to come out at the end of this year, but I think they pushed it a couple of months. Eric Holmes has been waiting the last couple oh, of I'm, years. I'm the Gremlins guy. I know. <laughs> You're the total Gremlin. Okay. Before we get into our weeks that we should need to spotlight, Joe Dante, number one, obviously, Gremlins. What are the next two Joe Dante films that you would recommend to our listeners that they watch immediately? Um, Probably The Burbs is really good. Very good. Number two, The Burbs. Yes. Yeah. And then- Number three. Uh, oh, jeez. Huh? Uh, you know, he wow. did uh, two, he did uh, Homecoming and uh, the Screwfly Solution um, with the Masters of Horror. Okay. Um, the Mick Harris uh, produced Masters of Horror series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I would check those out. Those are really good. Uh, Hole, the Hole is a newer one. That one's really good. Um, mm-hmm. These are not popular ones, but probably ones that are a little better than people might think. Oh, okay. So oh, you brought up the yeah. Hole. 
Okay, so that might be interesting. I've never seen the hole. Um, yeah, I was going to make a joke about it. It's a family show. <laughs> it's a family show. This is cinematics. This is not Find Your Film. Bruce knows where I was going with that joke because Bruce can tell my stupid jokes from a mile away. Bruce, what are your top three Joe Dante films? Well, we already said Gremlins, so we got that's an obvious one. Um, I would say uh, The Burbs as well. I would also say he has an excellent short segment in Twilight Zone the movie which yes. is is woefully underseen probably by especially newer you know more younger people that haven't come across that movie uh, also i think uh if you like especially like old fashioned sci-fi Thank matinee you. matinee is amazing matinee is very very good oh, that is a little joe dante segment i wonder what anderson cowan loves I'm thinking of Anderson. I know he loves Gremlins. I'm assuming he does. And I'm sure The Burbs would be right up his alley. What do you guys think? What what would be among his favorite Joe Dante movies? The Burbs? I, it has to I, be, right? I, I can actually, and I don't know, and Anderson, if you're watching this or listening to this, maybe you uh, correct me. I think Anderson might dig Matinee. Mm. I, Anderson might dig Matinee. It, it, it seems like that would be one that's kind of up his alley. Er, Eric, okay, hold on. Let me just uh, correct you. It, you know, matinee, it's a silly. Bruce mentioned matinee, and the reason why he loves matinee is because it's for cinephiles with a nuanced, layered taste in cinema. Exactly. Are you saying that's why that's why I said Anderson would probably like it? Oh, oh, okay. I don't know. Did, Anderson's middle name is Nuance, Greg. I don't oh, know nuance. I don't, I don't, okay. Do you Anderson agree that? Nuance Callan. Everyone Very, knows that. Okay. Yeah. He's sticking up for his buddy, Anderson Count. Love that. Okay. So that is our Joe Dante segment on, uh, yeah, matinee. Love, I love matinee. You know, I'm so old, Bruce. Bruce is going to say, how old are you, Greg? I actually reviewed matinee for my college paper years and years ago for the UCLA Daily Bruin as I daughter along this podcast. I don't know what I'm doing. Week one, October 7th. Let's start off with the top movie recommendation from Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. Project Wolf Hunting. I told Eric and Bruce, I really don't like violent films. And they said, Greg, well, we got a movie for you. It's called Project Wolf Hunting. <laughs> and wow, Bruce, Eric, Eric, what do you think? Our Cinematics listener, listeners family show, what is the barrier to entry for Project Wolf Hunting, which comes out Friday, October 7th? But who would who would love this movie and who would not love this movie? All right. First barrier to entry, not one wolf to be found anywhere in this movie so right away the uh no wolf the title if you're like hey let's get the kids together and watch a movie about wolves this is not your movie nope um if you hate blood uh that spills out like a fire hose not your movie if you like a fun kind of uh, uh gory um you know yeah. Get, get, we mentioned this on Finder Film. Get a bunch of friends together and hey, let's let's watch a let's watch a bloody horror movie. You know, it's October. Why not? Uh, this is totally the movie for you. And the, I think this movie gets better for people um, in groups that that are down to watch this sort of thing. Right. And my 10 second plot line is there's good people, there's bad people, they're on board a cargo ship. Somewhere towards the middle of the story, there's something really, really crazy happens and your mind is blown. There's a lot of things that are quote unquote blown in this movie. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of bloodletting. There's a lot of hammering. There's a lot of shooting. There's a lot of violence. Body count is 57 or 58 people. Yes, Eric Holmes. Yes, sir. This movie is so on, um, the film vault, they do yep. the watch alongs for mm. Patreons. Right. On Patreon for uh, the film vault. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm editing they, that they, out, Eric Holmes. Project, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Project Wolf Hunting is a perfect movie for what they've been doing with that so far. Oh my gosh, we've got to get them on that Project yes. Wolf Hunting. Yes, once you know it's in theaters on October seventh, but Anderson and Bald Brian definitely need to see Project Wolf Hunting. Do you agree with that, Bruce Perky? Not not just Bra- Bald Brian or or Anderson Cowan. Who must see Project Wolf Hunting on Friday, October seventh in theaters? Well, I agree. Yes, that should be a watch along as well. Uh, but I would say if you were watching Under Siege and you thought, man, I wish Steven Seagal had been beheaded in like the first five minutes and they'd ran around with his head on a stick for most of the movie, <laughs> then you might be ready to start this movie. <laughs> very, very, very good. Uh, just FYI, I'm just uh, throwing it. We're opening the curtains. Hey, look, four stars for Eric Holmes, four stars for Bruce Perky, and five stars for me regarding Project Wolf Hunting. You can check out our full review on the Find Your Film podcast. There's another movie coming out. There's a bunch of movies coming out on October 7th. What is your pick of the week for October 7th, Eric Holmes? Oh, well, I got uh, one for, uh, and this is uh, this is probably one I think that Anderson might have picked, but he's not here this week. Uh, it's called Tar. Uh, it's starring Kate Blanchett, and it's uh, directed by Todd Field, who did Little Children and, oh, what was that? In the Bedroom. In, in the Bedroom. Mm-hmm. And I, I love both movies, and I'm pretty sure Anderson likes him as well. This was one I think, like, if Anderson was here, this would probably be one he would flag. Uh, the other one I flagged was, uh, for stupider reasons, is Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Lyle Lyle Crocodile. So Lyle Crocodile, it features Kate Blanchett as a conductor composer named Lydia Tarr. Is that Lila Lyle Crocodile? And she meets Crocodile. They do a symphony, yeah. compose, they com- compose a symphony in some kind of philharmonic, oh, with a German orchestra, and then it's a family film? Is that what the movie, it's called Lyle Lyle Tar? Is that the movie? <laughs> yeah, Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Uh, Lyle Lyle <laughs> Crocodile is just going to be stupid. It's from the directors of Blades of Glory, Office Christmas Party, and look, it's, you don't need to see this, but I'm going to see it because, uh, you know. I'm stupid sometimes. Well, you're going to see it with your niece and nephew for for Lyle. No, I'm going to be the creepy guy in the back of the in the back of the movie theater oh, going, "Oh, Lyle, I love crocodiles." <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I I literally might be the only person in the theater, but this what? is just this is one of those just completely stupid silly movies. I'm like, I got to see this. Okay, it's going to be fair. terrible. I know this is going to be terrible, but I don't care. I'm going to watch it anyway. Look, I don't go to theaters. I haven't been going to theaters in a while. But if I did, if I could actually have my choice, my druthers, the psychological drama Tar, which again, in all fairness, it stars Kate Blanchett as the aforementioned composer. And she's she might be having a major breakdown and she's trying to compose some kind of piece. The trailer looks fantastic. It's written and directed by Todd Field, who hasn't done a film since the 2006 feature Little Children. How excited are you about Tar, Bruce Perky? Are you waited on bated breath? If it was playing around your town, would you be watching it on the weekend, this weekend? I would definitely be very interested in seeing this movie, yes. It's one of those movies where you see, like you said, he hasn't made one for so long. It's like there are a few of those directors out there, and they're always worth checking out. If anything, you know it's going to be interesting and and, and challenging. It, it may be great, may not be, but you got to check it out for sure. Right. I Eric, you're not a Hulu watcher, even what you will you will watch Hulu projects when they're when they're named Bite Size Halloween. So I'm gonna throw this question to Bruce Berkey. Hellraiser, if you still had Hulu, Bruce, would you be watching this latest iteration, this reimagining of Hellraiser, directed by the Nighthouse filmmaker David Bruckner? 
I would because Nighthouse was really good. It looks like it's made uh, as a quality production. I would give it a chance for sure. And the fact that Prey was so good and that came out on Hulu this year, those are all give me hope that this might be a really good movie. So um, yeah, I would give it a chance for sure. Yeah, Hellraiser for me, it's a four-star recommendation. I have not seen the original like Bruce and Eric, but this one, again, David, directed by David Buckner, very skillfully done horror psychological thriller headlined by Odessa Azian. I believe she, I don't know why she named herself Azian, maybe just to change her name because her mother is Pamela Adlon. And so she didn't want to probably be known as riding on the coattails of her actress mother, but she's actually carving out her own, which is what's interesting about Odessa uh, Azion is she is starring in Hellraiser and another film called The Inhabitant, which also comes out on Friday. Hellraiser is a very good movie. If you love horror thrillers, this one, and you have Hulu, check it out. Pretty much no weaknesses regarding this movie. Now I want, now after watching Hellraiser, I want to go back and watch the original version. Who directed the original version? Is that Clive Barker? I don't know who directed. Do you guys remember? Yeah, he did. Okay. Clive Barker. Okay. So I I always wonder how come Clive Barker didn't in his day and age didn't direct a whole slew of films? I guess he was just too busy writing books, guys. What do you think? I think he did, didn't he? Do uh, the, Lord of Illusions? I I didn't do that. He did that. I think he did. Yeah, he did Lord right. of Illusions, and he also did. Um, oh shoot, the one with all the, with uh, David Cronenberg as a uh, serial killer and a bunch of weird denizens. Ooh, that that's underneath. Okay, that, that sounds interesting. Right now, Ooh. I should be able to remember the name of that one. Lord of Illusions, Night, Nightbreed. Nightbreed. That was Nightbreed. The one Nightbreed. Oh, Nightbreed. oh I, you know Nightbreed, Bruce. I've heard there's a, a Nightbreed supercut or director's cut, and it. Do, have you seen this cut of Nightbreed? I believe I've seen parts of it. I think. I think now I could be totally wrong about this, but I feel like I remember hearing that Clyde Barker really didn't like how the studio system was and how he had to because his his visions are always pretty violent and also pretty sexually explicit. I don't think he could really get on screen what he wanted to do, and I think he kind of gave up. So that could be that's could be total conjecture on my part. But I feel like that's what maybe happened with him. Interesting. But yeah, I heard some really interesting cuts of Nightbreed. There are some people who really, really love the film. I believe the director's cut version is out currently. Well, I don't know if it's in print via Shout Factory. Would have, would have to track that down. But that's Nightbreed. Sounds interesting. And David Cronenberg is a lead, one of the leads. That sounds like an, a really cool movie to watch. Did you ever see Nightbreed, Eric Holmes? Yeah, a long time ago. Uh, that'd probably be one that I'd need to revisit. In fact, I think he also did. Uh, no, he didn't direct it. Uh, uh, it was uh, Ryuhei Kitamura directed, um, but he wrote it. The uh, Midnight Meat Train. Midnight mm. Meat Train's good. Midnight yeah. Midnight Meat Train. That movie's family show. That movie is family mm-hmm. tight. <laughs> that movie is family tight. And I Take think the kids. I think I mispronounced her name, Odessa Azayan. I believe Odessa Azayan. She's also the other movie that's coming out on Friday in theaters is called The Inhabitant, and she plays a descendant of Lizzie Borden. So that's an interesting movie. It stars Dermot Moroni and Leslie Bibb. If listeners, if you are a patron, a Patreon member of our, which Bruce and Eric are, thank you guys for that. If you, if you are a member, I interviewed the director of The Inhabitant and we talked about spoilers towards the end. So that will be exclusive to our Cinematics Patreon community. So check that out in a couple of days. So that is, those are my two picks for October 7th. We have Project Wolf Hunting. We have Tar, Lyle, Crocodile, Look at look at the Strange Band in the back of the theater. That's Eric Holmes, Hellraiser, Sorry, and The Inhabitant. I, <laughs> I, I, I won't touch your children. Yes, we're, we're, we're good. 
We're good. Hellraiser and the Inhabitant. We're going to week two. The reason, Bruce, what is your pick for week two? The reason why I didn't want to get it is because this screener link, it would remind me and Bruce of who we really are. What is this pick <laughs> for you, Bruce Berkey? Uh, old man. Uh, Look at my life. I'm alive. Thank you. Okay. Edit. Okay. (laughs) Old man. Uh, This could be great. Could be not great, but it looks interesting uh, partly for, well, it's a couple reasons. One is it's directed by um, Lucky McKee, who did uh, May, which is great, and has done a few other pretty interesting movies. And uh, this movie is teaming up with the main actor, and our main actor is Stephen Lang. Now, this seems kind of similar. Well, I don't think it's similar, actually, but there are shades of what's the movie he where he's the, the blind dude in the, the house and they invade the house with him? Um, oh, um, what it was breathe or control or breathe? breathe don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't breathe. Don't breathe. Don't, breathe, don't yeah. breathe. Yeah. So it's not that, but it looks like he's the old man. Uh, and he's living in this kind of his cabin out in, in the middle of nowhere and some stranger shows up. So it might be a two-hander and, uh, the stranger shows up and our old man played by Stephen Ling, uh, <laughs> he says, <laughs> the, the young guy says, what do you think? I look like a, a serial killer or a, a crazy person or something. And he's like, yes, you, I think you do. And I think it's, uh, it might be a, a thriller cat and mouse sort of movie it could be really fun i don't know it could be more than that uh, i don't watch trailers all the way through but Stephen lang thriller cabin lucky mckee that was enough for me to be interested okay so that is old man that's coming out next friday october 14th eric you have a couple picks for october 14th what are they yeah, we'll go speed round. Uh, first off is Halloween Ends. There's Halloween, David Gordon Green, really good. Halloween Kills, the second one. Some people liked it, some people didn't. Most people didn't. And let's see how it ends. Um, and I think a lot of people will check it out. Um, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see how it is. Number two, Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday. Scott Atkins, again, this is not going to be for a lot of people, but I'm a total mark for Scott Atkins. He's awesome and i like the first accident man a lot so if you like accident or if you like scott atkins good for you another scott atkins movie is coming out and the next one wait do you actually track down all of these scott atkins films to see and when the movie's released do you feel a little bit disappointed that they actually went by without you you noticing it came out you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, well, first of all, like, I don't expect to see any Scott Atkins movie in the theater. Um, and usually if they do, they're, uh, big budget movies where he's like a very minor character. Um, and Anderson, if you're listening to this, uh, Scott Atkins did one shot. Maybe you'll hate it. You might hate it. Watch one shot. One shot is great. One shot is um, really awesome. Yeah. But I, I, I just love Scott Atkins. He's like one of the directed DVD kind of and directed DVD isn't a thing now. It's directed streaming, but he's like one of those directed DVD um, action stars, and they, they're usually really good. Like the, usually- they, they, they kind of, uh, they kind of go above uh, what people expect from directed DVD or directed streaming. And as far as action movies go, his movies are usually really good. And I'm looking forward to Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday. How was the first Accident Man? Was it did it work for you? Yeah, yeah. It was. A, it was basically uh, he's a hitman. Yeah. The look the the plots aren't you know great. It, it's all about the action and kind of how they play out. Um, 
with the exception of uh, the Undisputed sequels, Undisputed 2, 3, and Undisputed Boyka, and um, and One Shot. Oh, God, One Shot is so good. Yeah, you forgot Avengement. So you, you also forgot Avengement. Avengement's very, very good as well. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. The Avengement mm-hmm. movies, uh, those are good too. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is uh, Rhymes with Mitch Grass, starring Tony Todd. Uh, Greg, I'll let you. Yeah, it rhyme. This movie, the, this rhyme, this movie, it's it, like very good. Eric Holmes. It rhymes with Mitch Grass. The first letter of Mitch is B. The first letter of Grass is well. Take out the G and the R, and this movie stars Tony Todd. What did you know about this? Uh, just because it stars Tony Todd, Eric, you're you're gonna watch that, it. That, not so much Tony Todd, but I watched the trailer for this one. And again, we're in October, we're in Halloween season. Everyone wants to watch scary movies, and this one looks like a really good black exploitation movie. And I'm trying to think of like the last great black exploitation movie we've had. Okay, um, uh, you you mm. could you could probably say like a. Uh, get out or um you know the 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 jordan peele ones um or no nope i guess would be the last one but that, I think that's the exploitation really would be yeah right there probably it's been what do you think bruce you think that's an era or do you think there is an homage to it like black dynamite came out that was great but that yeah, was, well, that uh, was but a black dynamite parody is, yeah <laughs> yeah black, black dynamite is awesome but that's not black exploitation it's a parody yeah um but the the uh, B A Mitch Grass uh, seems like it might kind of throw back to those uh, Blackula eras uh, type movies. Uh, maybe people under the stairs a little bit. Um, um, you know, Vampire in Brooklyn, so, stuff like that. This seems like it's going to be something um, along those lines, and mm-hmm. probably it might not be for everyone, but I. I haven't seen one of these uh, movies in a while, and I'm kind of bitching for it, and I'm hoping this one's going to be good. Okay, very interesting. That is it. That is the first two weeks of Cinemax. Also, on this episode, on this podcast episode, I'm going to tag tag on my interview. It's about six minutes with Adam Faison. He's one of the co-stars of the movie Hellraiser. I've been doing a lot of interviews, Eric mentioned. The aforementioned Bite Size Halloween, he's been doing a lot of interviews and you're going to get a lot of me interviewing people here on the Cinematics feed. But if you want to hear some really good interviewing as well, check out our Find Your Film podcast feed with Eric Holmes doing these Bite Size Halloween interviews. Before we go, Bruce, you want to say something? Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to talk about? I actually just have a question for you. If um, our project Wolf Hunting was a 10 on the blood meter, like where is the new Hellraiser movie? Like where does that stand? Oh, that's a great question. There's hardly probably a two or three. It's more <laughs> based on the terror. There's hardly any kind of blood on this. You know, so just very, very little blood on Hellraiser. All right. Final thoughts from you, Eric Holmes, before we leave cinematics. Yeah. Uh, Dahmer Tapes is coming out on Netflix. Skip it. Um, there's a uh, 10 part miniseries. Watch that instead. Oh, yes. The Dahmer stuff. I forgot. Bruce, is it worth it? The conversations with the, what is it called? The killer. And this actually, I've seen the first episode. I liked it. It's very audio based stuff. It's from the hours and hours of audio that the lawyer accrued, yeah. the defense. Yeah. Did you yeah. find that interesting? I, I mm, see it's really tough to say because I think if you don't know anything about it at all, it might be really interesting to you. Honestly, this is terrible to say, but honestly, I think you could listen to it like a podcast. Like I don't really think there's much to see in this movie in this movie, this documentary. But I will say 
and I know we're not going to really review this, but the the miniseries, the Dahmer monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, the 10-part dramatic miniseries is fantastic. Like four and a half star fantastic. Uh, half the episodes are directed by Jennifer Lynch. It's it yes. does it does what hardly any biopic ever does, especially any biopic about a killer, in that it makes the victims and the families of the victims and the families surrounding it all parts of the story. And it is one of the most fully fleshed out versions of that I've ever seen. It's and it's quite amazing. And I would say episode six and seven, I know I'm reviewing the wrong thing. I would say episode <laughs> six and seven. No, you're reviewing the, the correct <laughs> are some of the best te- television I've ever seen. There's an episode that is almost silent. And the character of Tony is one of the most heartbreaking characters I've ever seen. And it's from the point of view almost solely of the victim. And it is amazing, amazing television. Wow, I think that I, I think that with the the ten part miniseries and and the problem with the Dahmer tapes, and it, it's weird because I wouldn't have had this problem had I not watched the miniseries because I think that kind of uh, sets a new bar for true crime, you know, movies based on true crime events. Um, it it leans in on you know it sets the stage with what the killer did, but it leans in on the victims and how how terrible the crimes were. And how much it affected the victims. And then you go back and watch the Dahmer tapes. Also on Netflix. They're both on Netflix. Why would you watch this one when the other one's there? And the Dahmer tapes can't help themselves. But just go in on how. Uh, ooh. Let, let, how interesting is Jeffrey Dahmer? He's a killer. No one cares. <laughs> let, 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 let's watch the let's watch the 10 part miniseries. I think that one's more respectful for the victims it's got more gray area and it tells the exact story just in a better way i think well and it tells the story of the police and the inaction and like why things didn't happen and i'll give you a perfect really simple example first of all the dramatic series doesn't do doesn't show hardly any archival stuff it's not archival right but there's one really glaring exception and it really points out why it is better than the actual documentary The actual, so there is a very famous story about a a young man who uh, neighbors are trying to save and the police give this young man back to Dahmer and Dahmer Mm -hmm. eventually kills this young man. And in the miniseries at the end of the dramatic episode, it ends with the actual phone call of the neighbors trying after the fact to find out what happened to that child. And they play the entire, well, I don't know if they play the entire, but they play a very extended section of that actual phone call. That same phone call is excerpted in the documentary and there's less of it. The documentary has less of that phone call. So, and, and, and time and time again, the dramatic version of it, the dramatized version gives you way more context way more depth than the documentary version of it so it's the documentary comes across if you've seen both it comes across like a supplement like well you want to hear the actual voice of Dahmer saying some of these things here you go but who cares (laughs) this might this might be the rare exception where the uh, dramatized version is probably more uh true to the events and a lot more honest about what it's trying to present than the documentary is. And certainly, certainly better by a large margin, I think. 
Wow. So that's Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, which was, I believe, released in September. Ten episodes. Bruce's rating was four and a half stars. What? How many stars do you give this? What's your rating on this? Uh, I, I can't yet because I still got uh, about two episodes left. So it could completely S the bed. And then uh, it that, will not. that would affect it. it. I'm, I'm just going by. I think I'm up at eight episodes now. So I, I yeah. And can caveat, I've, I've only seen eight of the episodes, but so far the eight episodes have been fantastic. And I want to credit Andrew Martin because I do not watch miniseries. I don't like to watch miniseries. I hate watching miniseries. He was trying to drag me to watch this. And I was in the middle of trying to watch Blonde, which I was hate watching. And and I was like, a 10-part miniseries about a story I already know? I was wrong. I was wrong, wrong, wrong. And this is one miniseries that I think is worth it. Yeah. Wow. Are there any weak points with this Monster the Jeffrey Dahmer story? Maybe the last two episodes, I wouldn't know, but I don't think so. I, so I think the weak point, this is the only, it's not really a weak point, but the first two or three episodes are going to kind of be what you're expecting to some degree. Yeah. And I think some people will assume they know what the rest of it's going to be and either jump off or discount what's going to come. And really this movie or this yeah, movie, this miniseries, the difference is at about the halfway point when all of a sudden each episode starts taking a different context and adding a layer and adding a layer and adding a layer so that by the end of it, Dahmer is almost himself is almost a, a side character, just, just creating the context for these other people's lives. And that is what really enriches it. So I think the weakness would be at the front end, it might seem like it's going to be basic and it's not. Hmm. I, I also want to throw out I, as a fan of Reno nine one one. I love Nisi Nash. Yes, get, get, I I don't know if this gets Emmys or Oscars or whatever, but throw all all the awards at her. Nisi Nash is great in this yes. thing. Two 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 actors. Well, first of all, uh, Evan Peters is Dahmer. He's really great. Richard yeah. Jenkins as his dad is really great. We know that the people you really need to highlight are his neighbor. Glenda, was it Glenda Cleveland, played by yeah. Nisi Nash? She ends up becoming the star of this entire series, yeah. and wow. then, and then playing Tony, uh, Roddy. I want to see if I get his name right. Bur- Bur- Burford, I think it is. He in in his episode. I don't know what you think, Eric, but his episode is one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever. Is that seen. the this one? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Agreed. Unbelievable. It. It will crush you. <laughs> I'm just saying that right now. Okay. So last thing about this is a couple last things. Are there any barriers to entry regarding Monster the Jeffrey Dahmer story? Do if, not watch this, folks, if... If you're a family member of one of the victims, obviously this is not going to be uh, an easy watch for you. Everyone else, I, th- I think it's good. Uh, this, this this one is very respectful for the victims. Um, it treats Jeffrey Dahmer as the monstrous a-hole that he is. And uh, yeah, the, I, I think this is the new bar set for um, true crime movies. Hmm. Uh, pro- probably this and uh, uh, Zodiac kind of did a similar thing in that respect. I think the barrier for entry is if you are the kind of person that wants to maintain your simplistic view of the world and simplistic view of justice and life, then this isn't for you because it will confront you with actual reality. Wow. Okay. That said, (laughs) oh, I I definitely have to say this, but look, Bruce, Conversations with a Killer, the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes, is it even worth a watch as 
three three episodes, sixty minutes each, or like I think it was Eric was saying, or maybe you said it, it's just supplemental material. Yeah, I think it's supplemental material. I, I like I would say, I would say, oh, if you want, if you don't know anything about it, but I would say, if you don't know anything about Dahmer, watch the other miniseries. <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> okay, guys, the next time we get a free screening link, I want you guys to jump on board our payola scheme and just promote the stuff we. We're get still promoting from. Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the, true. the thing we're promoting is on the same streaming service. Okay, don't tell me where our mon- our lack of money goes. <laughs> okay, we're telling people we're telling people to stream more hours on Netflix. They yeah. should love this. Okay, I love that. I apologize. Yeah, don't do three hours. <laughs> do 10 of them. Yeah. Yes. Where's the C- problem? Cinematics listeners we, and find your film listeners as well. We are we are trying to build piece by piece our hardworking pyramid scheme. Please come and join <laughs> us very, very soon. That is episode 161. Again, Conversations with the Killer, the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes might be supplemental, but Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer, what, story? Four and a half from Bruce and Eric is probably going along that, that same way. He has a couple more episodes to go. Okay. Thank you, Eric Holmes, for saving this episode and reminding me that we no. need to cover that. You are the man on that. Let's I am just the say, man. you are the man, <laughs> and we will see you next week or next in a couple weeks in cinematics. I don't know what we do with this podcast. Sweet. Sometimes I do interviews, we'll see. And uh thank you so much. Check out this interview with Adam Faison soon and Bruce. Sign us off. I would just say our pyramid scheme is actually a lament configuration. See you guys. First off, I I mean, it's hard to make a movie, I'm assuming, from the outside looking in. And then on top of that, it's hard to make an awesome movie. What's it like, Adam, for you to be part of a really awesome film? And just what kind of feelings are you going through just with the final product, I guess, you know? Dude, well, um, it makes me feel really good that you feel it's awesome, too. I mean, we sit with it, we do this thing, and, you know, we hope that it's good, and, you know, you hope that people enjoy it, too. Like, I mean, Bruckner's such a freaking, like, auteur, man, like, seeing Nighthouse and, you know, the ritual, like, he's just really great, but it's like, you know, you're hoping that outside of this world, people will love it, too, so I'm really glad you enjoyed it, but, um, yeah, I had such a good time doing it. I mean, I'm a big horror fan, and so, like, it was kind of a dream of mine to be able to, like, sort of be in a world like this, and also something that's, like, such sort of sacred IP, you know, and, um, and I just think David did a really great job, not only, like, sort of taking from obviously like, you know, original iterations of this movie, but also mostly like, you know, the novella and kind of putting his own spin on it. So I felt very honored to be a part of this. Adam, you mentioned sacred IP and I'm going to confess, even though I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer, I still haven't seen the original or the novella. Just what I'm so excited. I know. What what can I learn from after, after watching this? Is it good? Should I be excited for the original and that, that IP? I think so. I mean, but what's kind of cool too, I'm like, I'm like, whoa, but like it invites like new viewers in too, because, um, you know, the main protagonist, she's like, actually, as we start off just kind of dealing with addiction and sort of like recovery. And so I feel like she kind of acts like brings a little bit of like a carrot into like people who maybe are like looking for a little bit more of a character driven story. And then it sort of takes a dovetail when she finds the box and then it opens up everything, but it really does start with like the human aspect of just like this girl kind of trying to like deal with living with us and like under these new rules and everything. And so I think it's kind of a nice way of like a, a a conduit for people to kind of like come in that maybe you've never seen. It's not as we started trying to kind of like remake anything that Clive Barker did before. It's very much like we're starting with a new story and inviting people in that have never seen it. And 
Um, and then I think, you know, after hopefully people will be excited enough to want to go back and, you know, sort of watch, especially the original, because I think um, those first two definitely kind of influenced a lot of what Bruckner was kind of trying to go for. And also, again, the novella. So hopefully they'll be excited to kind of like go back and, and, and revisit those ones or visit them for the first time as well. You know, Bruckner creates such an immersive world, but I really appreciated that there weren't really exposition-laden scenes, especially with your character. Everyone's dealing with trauma. I love how that's kind of cut out. It's really hard to deal with trauma when you're trying to survive, right? Is that, yeah. you know, can you speak to that? I mean, I thought that was awesome. It's just, yeah. Cool, right? I, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, I think it was like, literally, like, we, we talked a lot about it, but he's like, I don't want this to be one of those movies where we get stuck in exposition land and then have to explain. He's like, it actually, you would always say, we turn into fantasy when we start explaining too much of the lore, which I thought was really interesting. I never heard it explained that way. He's like, he's like, I want to explain just enough, but I really want to get in to the meat of it, you know? And then it's like, he, he likes people asking questions. So there's not all going to be answers in this, which I think is also exciting because it also leaves it open. And, you know, hopefully if one day there's another iteration or, you know, like a sequel, you know, like, it's like, he really is like, you know, in this movie, we're going to set the tone and we're going to give you some exposition, but we're not going to hold your hand. You know, we really want you to just like kind of be along and sort of want more from audiences. I think like there's a huge sort of like, push right now for over explaining things or like dumbing it down for audiences. But like, I feel like we have to hold them to a higher standard, you know, another strong aspect of Hellraiser. It's, it's, you know, it's stating the obvious. It's absolutely terrifying. So (laughs) yeah, in celebration of Halloween and, and Huluween, can you name one of your all time terrifying cinematic movies and what makes it so scary for you even to this day? God, I would say one of my like, Oh gosh, I'd say 28 Days Later is probably like one of like the most terrifying still movies to me because um, they do such a good job. I mean, maybe similarly to this, but they do such a great job at developing those characters in such a short amount of time. And then you really are kind of rooting for them. And I think probably the most terrifying part of that movie might be when he wakes up. And uh, I have chills now when like Killian Murphy wakes up and the entire hospital is abandoned and and there's no one on the streets and he's just walking around like what has happened you know no one like there's not a soul in the streets and there's something really like kind of terrifying about sort of like the absence of people and sort of like of humanity and like kind of then like what you do and like what's the next step in that um i think movies like that and it the original it they do they sort of play with that a lot of the disappearance of the kids and just sort of like the horrifying nature of like waking up and like everybody's just disappeared you know it's it's really terrifying so yeah and just quickly uh last question yeah everyone says like bruckner is a very talented filmmaker I can say that watching it, but you're, you're there on the day working. So just yeah. from your observation and learning, what did you learn from him and what makes him so unique? Gosh, Bruckner will get down in the weeds with you, man. He's not afraid, like, you know, ninth hour or whatever to get down in there and be like, okay, so like we're in it. And every scene he's so, he's so specific because he knows where everything is going. And so like every moment was so specific and filled, like even down to his screen, he was like, the screen maybe is even in this timber because like, you know, this is sort of like what's happening. And sometimes like I wouldn't be able to see there's like certain things that like 
word special effects that I was like, Oh, okay. So this is what's actually happening. But he's like, everything was so specific and I really appreciated him for that. And like, uh, yeah, he would just get down in there with us. So I appreciated him for that. He's, he's really, really great guy. And I really love the film. Thank you so much for your time. And, you know, Thanks. just good luck with this. I hope this movie really hits it because I loved it. So I hope so too. Thank you, Greg. Thank, <laughs> Thank you for you. saying that. Man. You take care, man.